Anything's possible though, because you know Bitcoin is money, so you know money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Coin Telegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 93. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. Host number three, Corey. Is that a Trump impression, D? No, it wasn't. Brought to you... Go ahead. What's up? I can do a Trump impression, though, if you want. I'd rather not. You sure? Have you heard enough of his voice? Yeah. For the rest of your life? Rather get my bills paid. Yeah. Let's get these bills paid. Let's get this money, y'all. Uh, we're brought, you know, every episode we're brought to you by escrowmybits.com. It's really super easy process. Let me walk you through it. All you got to do is just register and deposit your Bitcoin. Seller ships the item, buyer checks the goods, releases the funds. Boom. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So I'm talking euros. I'm talking, talking yen. Talking SD, they got you covered, no problem. And they're going to charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all, all escrow transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. Make using escrow as simple as possible. And we want there to no longer be any excuses, no excuses on why to not use escrow. So to start the escrow process, go to their website and make sure you sign up for that newsletter. Yeah. So you can. Escrow your shit with escrowmybits.com. Uh, good at like, yeah. keeping, the, keeping the harmony there. It used to be so terrible. Yeah. I mean, next time, next time was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting it. I was actually practicing that in front of several mirrors. So. That sounds weird. No, 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 no. Just four. Four mirrors. Next. Just four. <laughs> uh, we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin. Um, I like Athena Bitcoin. They're the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs, and we are proudly sponsoring them. They are located in Houston, Fort Worth, Dallas, uh, a couple other U.S. cities, Cedar Hill. Cedar Hill. Download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play. Locations and more information. Visit AthenaBitcoin.com. Uh, we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, BitQuick.co. Uh, that is bitquick.co. It is a secure, quick, and easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as just three hours. That's all. Bitquick has been serving Bitcoiners since 2013. Where there's a bank, there's Bitquick. And last, but definitely not least, go to uh, sweethoneycrochet.com. And pay full price because you didn't get in on that Bitcoin promotion, you pack. <laughs> <laughs>
Pad. Bad quality products like uh, man beanies and skull caps. And um, it's really good. Check it out. Yep. If you're uh, cold in the winter, you're going to need some sweet honey crochet to warm you up. If you're a hipster douche in the summer, they also got you products <laughs> that you can wear in the summer. Yep. That's right. Everything's better oh, when man. it's handmade, though. That's a fact. Oh, man. Um, she can make one hell of a blanket. I'll tell you that much, man. It's, it's warm. Let me take that back. Not everything is better when it's handmade. Remember not... that at apricot beer? Oh, that stuff was terrible. That wasn't handmade, oh, my... though. That was factory. That was just terrible. Hold up. I'm going to shout them out because I know they don't listen to this shit. What what company hand makes each beer? Yeah, Wasatch Brewery? All the employees would just be tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever they did, that beer sucked. It'd be $35 a bottle because that's what it would cost <laughs> in order to pay the bill of all those people hand making. each fruit. Yeah. Um, let's start the show. Let's start the show. All right, so what do you guys want to get started with? I don't know. Cello? Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah so we got Gavin. Gavin so stopped by. Hold on to our, our banter for a while. Then you're going to hear a great interview. We had Mackie join us. He had some deep, insightful, pivoting questions, which you'll be hearing much more of in the near future, I would imagine. Dude, I, I could never imagine Mackie not being deep and insightful. He is an interesting cat. And yeah. I feel like, uh, go ahead. I like listening to his conversations. I do. I like being a part of a Mackie conversation because everything is at depth. And when I say depth, I mean deeper than your average conversation. You know, because you'll have 30,000 like, oh, weather out here is the weather. And, you know, <laughs> those kinds of conversations. Weather outside is weather. <laughs> Every single week, you know, like, oh, how are the kids? Oh, they're great. Kids, kids do stuff. Kids stuff, kids stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good kid stuff. Ha, 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 ha. Just like the small talk that you have in a, in a week. And then it's really refreshing to have a conversation where it's not just very played out in a bad movie from the I'm 80s. Pretty, I'm pretty sure about 80% of the conversations that we've had with Mackie, both professionally and unprofessionally on the Slack, have been, dude, you're not going to believe what happened or like what I heard the other day or what I saw or what I did or what happened. <laughs> yeah. It's always right, good I'm shit. I'm interested already. Always good shit. But, um, so, so Bitcoin, it's a thing, right? That we talk about. Did y'all hear about Ethereum Classic? Not, uh, not, yes. not forking again? I did hear about it, and I sensed that sarcasm because it is probably going to fork again. No, and there's <laughs> well, so Ethereum is going to fork. Ethereum is uh, been under attack, quote unquote attack, for a long time, where transactions, you know, due to the way the attack worked, transactions were not getting into blocks, and it was difficult to send, you know, oh. money to people and call contracts, so on and so forth. But because of this, um, there has been a a series of there will be a series of two two hard forks in the Ethereum protocol, and Ethereum Classic, being the way that they are, have decided that they're going to stick staunch to their ideology and they're not going to fork with these forks. 
which means that there's going to going to be a Ethereum Classic and an Ethereum Classic Classic. <laughs> so like OG Ethereum, I think is what they should rename themselves to. And then you're going to have Whoa. an yeah. Ethereum Classic. This is making us all look very foolish, by the way. Very foolish. foolish. Not Ethereum. Ethereum. No, 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 no. This talking is, about this... crypto in general. No, but it's it's fine. Like this is the way it's gonna it's gonna be. You're gonna have people with different ideology that can fork off and do whatever they want, and the main chain will continue to do what the main chain does, and that's will be that's where all the money will be. Like you have forks all the time. It doesn't matter. It just only matters what 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 people are using, and people are using Ethereum. That's what people are developing on. There is a I don't know like a decent percentage of people using Ethereum Classic and be divided yet again. We'll see what happens with, like, we couldn't predict what happened last time. We'll see what happens this time. But it seems as though the people who are following the main Ethereum chain, Ethereum, Ethereum, without without a, without an <laughs> adverb, adjective in the end. Did you uh, run out of a name? Ethereum's it's Ethereum. Ethereum. It's not doesn't have an extra name to it. They're going to continue to use that and they'll follow the trust of Vitalik and Vlad and you know the, the Ethereum Foundation and that's what the most people will be using I'm growing frustrated with this shit alright why cause it's dumb man it's really dumb why? it's starting to get the world isn't using it huh why why is it dumb um that makes us look foolish it's weird when I'm having a conversation with my boss and he's finally built up the gusto to do his own research. And then he comes back to me and he's like, what the fuck's going on with this Ethereum shit? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, Is that a direct quote? <laughs> well, yeah, that's pretty much how my boss talks. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I was looking in Fortune 500 and then I read about Bitcoin. It's good stuff. And then I read about that thing, Ethereum, that you brought up briefly. Yeah. What the fuck's going on there? And I was like, this is great i had a you know we were eating whataburger so i was in a moment of just pure euphoria because what a burger and then i like you know stop eating and i'm like you know what ma'am it's just a community of you know people are disagreeing on how the protocols move forward so they forked and now there's two of them i doubled my money at one point in time that was kind of cool it was a split second in time um but it's kind of a long discussion to go into how a fork works here. I don't know if we have enough time. He's like, huh, I guess I just need to get that shit together then. And I was like, yeah, no. they do. They fucking do you need, need to, to get it together. Make it seem as though this is like, a, I don't know, it's not a bad thing that this happens. I mean, yeah, this this particular fork was bad because of the way it went about. But it doesn't mean that like it's going to happen all the time. Or there will be forks all the time, but they're not going to be big deals. This is, this is why it gets on my nerves. Michelle asked an amazing question and then didn't put it in Reddit for some reason. And that question was, was any altcoin, has there ever been an altcoin feature that was made that was then adopted by the Bitcoin blockchain? And as far as I can remember, the answer to that is no. Couldn't tell so, you, to be honest. I'd have, I'd have to look into it. So, what does that mean? That means a lot of things. So Bitcoin but, has not taken over any type of like say an alt, an altcoin spun up, and then been provably good, mm -hmm. or like decent within a certain you know function. 
and Bitcoin has said, yeah, we like that. Let's incorporate it into the Bitcoin protocol. You don't think that that has happened? I don't think for as long as I can remember. I, I've never seen an article. I've never seen a BIP. I got voted. I always thought that all coins exist. Say what? Was that all coins exist? Help Bitcoin. All coins exist when somebody like wants to add a feature that Bitcoin doesn't have, and then they do, and then they have all coin because it's really easy to make a digital currency. Like you could probably make one. Say what? (laughs) I made one the other day. Yeah, you could probably. It's just you copy paste somebody's code, change what you want to do, what you want, and boom, you've made a digital currency. Where I I think we're making a mistake as a crypto community is, you know, all coins are cool. And I hope I'm not just sounding like a Bitcoin maximalist. But all we're doing is shattering and disjoining effort and energy into making Bitcoin better. And Ethereum is starting to look real fucking foolish. Like, I I thought it was cool. I still have some. Ethereum is, is... It, the functionality of Ethereum and what it does, what it does well, Bitcoin simply cannot do right now at, by any by any stretch of the means. You but does take, Bitcoin need to do it right now? Yeah. Decentralized applications are a thing. They help with a lot of different types of applications that are outside of transacting value. And like I've, I've, I've found that out just by working on a few of the contracts that I've been working on. The fact that what I'm able to do I couldn't have done before using just a simple, like even a private blockchain. It may not be secure for now, but as a proof of concept, it works really well. And then being able to tie into a main network to make it secure is incredibly valuable. And you can't do that with Bitcoin right now. So at some point, smart contracts will probably be written into, into Bitcoin with rootstock or whatever, whenever they come in. But until then, they don't have that capability. And so you need a coin or you need an altcoin that allows you to do stuff like that. And Ethereum is that altcoin. And however they evolve is however they evolve, but they have that functionality and nothing else does. I get so it. I got it, that. But here's the thing. Don't, don't build up some totally separate network. Build it into what you already have. It's like saying, like, oh, man, these gasoline cars are really cool, but building this network of gas stations is going to be really tough to do for this type of car. So let's just come up with some totally different type of fuel that's just a little bit easier and start this shit from scratch. Well, it's easy to transfer between the two. How I mean, yeah, that? it's easy to and transfer between build the, the two, infrastructure. That's going to get easier and easier and easier. It's you don't have to have one thing as a foundation for everything else. Yeah. It helps to have a main coin for a storage of value. And then be pegged into it or tied into it in some way, shape or form. And as you build up, like I, I, I believe in a in a environment of currencies. This is a call out to the Ethereum community. Y'all are looking real fucking foolish. Point blank. Period. I disagree. I don't. Uh, Was it? I don't accept that Prime Coin helped Ethereum. Yeah, but I feel like these butt hurt because you can't tell someone about cryptocurrency. And them automatically not just get it and love it, and bad things don't happen. No, I'm not butthurt at all. 
I just think it looks really foolish on the grand stage when every single time we start to gain a little traction, some dumb shit goes on. Well, it's still early on in the days. You want it to be the time of like the time of like the days where it's the most robust network in the world. We don't have problems. We've been past all the problems and we're just not there yet. You want it to be that so bad and you get mad when something happens that doesn't that leads you to believe we're not there already. Oh. And we're not. It's we're nascent technology and you have to you have to believe that. I get it's mad really small. when they don't make my superhero movies the way they're supposed to. I'm getting frustrated with every time I turn around, it's like, oh, Ethereum's forking again. What the fuck? Why? Why this time? Why don't you just take the time to get it right? Because they found a bug. You can't find these types of problems without having an issue. These types of problems aren't, we don't have a, like a protocol or standard operating procedures for finding these types of things. Hurry up and get it right. right? We don't, we've never had these issues before in the history of humankind. How are we supposed to foresee them ahead of ever having them, right? How can you know like, what the internet was going to do before you started doing the internet? You're like, oh shit, we're not scaling properly, or someone has this attack vector that we've never seen before because we've never fucking done this. You can't see these things coming and to, and, and to be mad because something new happens to a network that's never existed like this before is 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 wasting your energy. I'm not mad. You're it's frustrated, not my whatever day. you want to call it. It's, like, you, you, these things are going to happen. We're going to have problems with the networks that we create. Because okay, we've never so been able to here's where the frustra- frustration in lies. There's a bug. Something's wrong, and you fix it, and you fork it. Then get everybody on board. Don't have all these different chains out there just because people want to make money or just because people are holding on to some stupid ideal that think is work. If the if if the greater community has agreed that it's a bug and it's broken, then don't make everyone look foolish, especially people trying to perpetuate this in a very professional setting. That now that there's three fucking chains out there and you're trying to explain why, because all a right, bunch that's... of people are too damn stupid to get on the longest chain. That have, is what's frustrating. You have a human problem. You have a problem with humans, which isn't ever going to go away. Yeah, and the problem people with humans is because ideology. Yeah. That's that problem though. That single point of failure is because of having the shenanigans and the the shenanigans and the precedent <laughs> set. The shenanigans, <laughs> having the precedent set that if you just don't like a coin, go build your own. I mean, that's really cool and all, but what does it do to perpetuate the energy towards starting some sort of new thing? Well, here's 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 the the key factor in all of this. All right. Who gives a shit if they go build their own coin? If no one uses it, then it's not going to work. That's all there is to it. it you're going to use the coins that have the largest networks. Right now, that's Bitcoin and Ethereum and a few others that have decently sized networks in terms of market cap and usability. And all of the thousands of other coins that exist, the long tail of coins, no one uses and they don't matter. And if you have an ideology and you break off from the main chain and you try and carry that ideology amongst other people, if nobody listens to you, then who cares? That's the beauty of it. If no one uses or follows you, then you get, you get put out of existence. And that's what's happening. 
these people are having these ideology ideal ideologically splits they move off the chain they create their own coin and say fuck you guys i'm leaving people are going to follow me you'll see it's going to be awesome and then no one does and they're like oh i guess i got to go back to using the other chain that everyone's using and that's not a problem that's how humanity works when someone takes you know their 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 Pokemon cards runs away and says, I'm going to do something different. You're like, oh, see you later. We're all, this whole group of people is going to continue playing the game we were playing and you're going to be lonely in the corner. And until you, you, you start your hissy fit, or you stop your pouting, you can come back and join us whenever you're ready because we're still going to be here. And that's what's going to happen. Well, Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, Ethereum Red, Ethereum Yellow, Ethereum Blue, Ethereum Platinum, they all need to get it together. Because it looks fucking Ethereum's foolish. looking fine. Ethereum's doing what it's doing. And then other people just don't change the name whenever they fork off. Cello, what were you going to say? Is, a, is Ethereum the first to test a similar balance modification fork? Are there like other... Uh, I mean, what are some examples one could compare to like the Ethereum fork with? Or is Ethereum the only one that's doing this? As far as I know, it's the it's the one that has a, a network where it matters if you fork, and it's it's big enough to say if you like you cut the network in half, then you have a real a real problem. But the network isn't being cut in half; a small percentage of it's breaking off. So no other blockchains have done like similar forks. Uh, not that I'm aware of, and if they have, it's been inconsequential because no one uses it. And I'd be happy oh. if someone emailed us, called into the show, or whatever. Told us something different, but as far as I'm concerned, well, I'd no. be happy if someone called in and told me off. Maybe Ethereum isn't looking foolish. We'll see. All in due time, right? We're pioneering this shit. We're, we're gonna start having controversial softworks. We're mapping out the Rocky Mountains. Anything could happen. Well, I think it, you're right in the sense that the way we deal with forks and come to consensus on the governance of a coin, like where we go in terms of upgrading the coins and dealing with attacks and so on and so forth is pretty, I wouldn't call it childish, but childish. Like there's no good way to, for us to come to conclusions on where a fork should go as of right now. We have ideas, we have theory, but in practice, it, it doesn't, it never seems to work. I mean, look at SegWit. SegWit as a soft fork didn't get pushed through, so now they're going to have to push it as a hard fork. And that's yeah. really stagnating that the development of Bitcoin. It was, but it didn't go through. Mm -hmm. Like the, the miners didn't, the, a sufficient amount of miners didn't vote on it to make it go through. It got like 87% of the mining community. Yeah, I heard they're going to lower the threshold. Or I heard that blocking it is just, they're being spiteful. And so it's like this type of like, Amper tantrum stuff that D I would agree with you is bad for the community. So like at, once again, the human aspect of all of this yeah. is what stagnates the development. It's growing frustrating. And I think that's one thing that Ethereum has a leg up on Bitcoin is that they have a quote unquote leader to look to. Whenever these things go down, they look at that young guy, Vitalik, and he's like, well, we're going to do this. And then the, everybody tends to do what Vitalik wants to do. And so it's like human nature is, is still not being filtered out when it comes to the dealings of this new tool that we have, which is digital currency. 
which is blockchain or the blockchain or whatever you want to call it. And that's where I think Bitcoin is kind of laggard and this whole community is kind of laggard because there is the leadership isn't strong. It's so disjointed. It's so network driven that there's nobody or no populace. There's no strong opinions that matter enough to get shit going in the same direction. Everything just seems to branch off. That's why everything kind of seems like a drop in the pan, a little water droplet in the frying pan, like a lightning network. Every once in a while, it sizzles up and then fades. And then what I think uh, fiber network. And then there was another one that was built by BitPay. They sizzle up and then they fade out. And Segwit sizzled up and now it's fading out. And no, but nobody is strong enough of character and personality to say, hey, this is what is going to happen because it needs to happen. And let's do it. Oh, people it's say that, but no one listens. Yeah, exactly. Because they're not, they're not pushing it through. Well, this is also the first time where we, we've had such a large experiment with so much money behind it. And the money is the main issue, is that people don't want to lose their money and people are greedy. That's a natural human thing. Uh, and there is no leader. It's the first time we've had a community-driven experiment with so much value in it and not a fleshed-out governance. Yeah. It's more of a democratic vote on how which, things go forward, which is turning out to be difficult. Difficult. In practice. So this gets me into when I had my moment, right? My my uh, aha moment, my Bobby's World moment that I get from time to time, probably like on a weekly basis, right? Um, and that is, uh, do we have enough time to go into this before Gavin? We've been How talking we for a while. Now? Let's go into Gavin first, and then we'll talk about that. All right. Ooh, building suspense. I'm getting better at this shit. Oh, All right, you want to bring him in? Yeah, Cello. Bring it. Bring in Gavin. All right, uh, Gavin has worked on the project, the Bitcoin project, and uh, somewhere or the other since 2010. And uh, for my money, he's still one of the best known figures. So uh, we're in good company this week. And uh, I believe this is one of his first public podcast chats since uh, publicly uh, backing Craig Wright. But we don't need to get into that. Uh, but we ask him the hard-hitting questions and we get some answers. So um, I would say hard-hitting. Gavin up in here. We don't ask anyone hard-hitting questions. No, that was a fun conversation. And Gavin's a cool (laughs) dude. We ask no one hard-hitting questions. We wouldn't even ask an MM fighter hard-hitting questions. We should have asked Arcade City hard-hitting questions, and we didn't. (laughs) We did not. Our questions are Why are you a crook? Frozen yogurt? Do you like that? Is it something that you're a fan of? I want to get to know people. I want to... Feel him out as a as a as a human. I agree. I I like I like the way we do it. I just feel like there's some people in our audience that are like, "Come on, ask ask the digging question," and we're like, "No, oh, man, that's not that's not how we there's get." There's plenty that. of podcasts out there that do that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. When I listened to this interview, I felt like he would be my favorite college professor. Like that's just the way he comes across. It's like a very easy, easygoing always willing to to put himself out there as far as advice as far as direction like he just seems like oh man that's dr gavin 
It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Like, that was Dr. Gavin. Anyways. No, let's let our audience come up with their own opinions on but, our interview style is good. Yeah. Anyways. He did have a, an opinion on, like, what we talked about in the roundtable. He said um, it's a major battle for the future of the currency. Bitcoin is divided firmly into uh, warring camps on the issue amid claims that, you know, larger blocks will lead to bandwidth problems and then leave it open to control by big businesses and other domineering entities. And Gavin says that that's all false. He wants to see the white paper. So that's his thing. It's a very clear thing of saying something and then proving it are two very different things. And you can say the other side of, of what he says is that he may have done a test that 20 megabyte blocks aren't going to hurt the network, but a test isn't the same as releasing it in the wild of the full network and finding the problems, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they did a lot of tests in the Ethereum network, but eventually you find problems in the wild when you have a lot of people trying to attack it. And it's a very different thing to test on a small sandbox and have that thing working on the full network. So let's, uh, let's get to the interview. Here All right. Say. Here it is. Well, shall we? Yes, we shall. Let's shall. All right. So, uh, thanks, Gavin, for coming on the show. Uh, we typically do a, an introduction to who we're who we're interviewing on the roundtable section of the show. But uh, for those who don't already know who you are, which is probably a small portion of the Bitcoin community, you mind telling us? who you are and, and that kind of how you got started into Bitcoin. Sure. Um, I, uh, Satoshi tricked me into being the lead developer for the, <laughs> the Bitcoin project uh, back in 2010. So I'm an old time Bitcoiner. I uh, heard about it first and I think it was April of 2010. Um, decided to, I'm a programmer, um, software engineer uh, by profession. Uh, Bitcoin tickled my interests in economics and peer-to-peer technologies uh, and uh, crypto. I'm not a cryptographer, but I I am interested in cryptography. Um, And so it was an interesting open source software project uh, that was kind of just starting out and that I thought would be fun to get my feet wet playing with. Uh, So I did the simplest possible project I could think of, which was I created a website called the Bitcoin Faucet that gave away uh that gave away some bitcoin to anybody who visited because i figured it would be useful to give people a little bit of bitcoin so they could try out the system and see what it was like because this was you know this was the first this was brand new way of doing money um would you say that you're the person that inspired like current faucets and faucets in general uh definitely um yeah i mean I came up with the name Bitcoin faucet. I don't think there'd ever been a, a, a faucet as a notion of like, just, I like the notion of, you know, giving away things for free. Uh, it's kind of what you get from a water faucet, right? You mm-hmm. just turn it on and, and outflows the water. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use the term faucet that, that caught on. There've been lots of imitators of the original Bitcoin faucet. Um, fun fact at the beginning, I was giving away five Bitcoins per visitor. Uh, so if you're lucky enough oh, nice. in April of 2010, 
you could have gotten five bitcoins from the original Bitcoin faucet. That pretty quickly as the Bitcoin price went up, I had to uh, cut that down and down. And down. <laughs> I um, when I started, five bitcoins were worth two and a half cents. So it wasn't oh, an wow. outrageous amount of money uh, to give to people. It's five bitcoins. I tell people, uh, you know, I spent $50 of my very own money and I bought 10,000 bitcoins. And that's what I used to fund the faucet. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how we got involved. Um, it turns out giving away bit stuff for free is a good way to make people like you. Um, so I was pretty popular in the Bitcoin community. Um, I, I started contributing patches. Uh, Satoshi came to trust me, came to trust my judgment for, um, code related things. Like I said, I'm a software, um, is what I am. Uh, and so at the end of, by the end of 2010, Satoshi decided to step back and he left me in charge of the project. So I was lead developer for the Bitcoin project from 2010 till what, 2014? I forget when I stepped back and let Vladimir kind of have the reins. This actually, that, 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 that's, this uh, kind of melds into something that I know that uh, Stephen was interested in. Since since you're no longer a, uh, the lead developer of the, of the of the Bitcoin project, you want to go ahead, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you know, back when you were working, you know, on the original, I guess, like you know, like Satoshi implementation. You know, historically, Satoshi, you know, he was quoted in saying that you know, if uh, if another alternative implementation of of Bitcoin that you know sought to replicate the consensus protocol were to come into existence, it could potentially be like a menace to the network. What's your What's your opinion around like alternative implementations, say like BCC, BTCD or Bitcoin that like seek to re-implement as a full node? I, I think back then he was right. It could have been a menace to the network. It was a much smaller network, much more fragile. Um, so, you know, back in the early days, I think it made sense for there to be one implementation. And if anything needed to be changed, it could be changed very quickly. Uh, Satoshi could basically just say, hey, everybody run this new version, and, and it was done. And that was done several times in, in 2010. We had, you know, fire drills where somebody would find an exploit of some kind, and then Satoshi would say, everybody run this new version. He often not telling people quite explicitly why <laughs> they should run the new version. It's just, trust me, run it. <laughs> You need to do this. Um, um, and I was privy to some of the, you know, kind of behind the scenes, holy crap, somebody found something, we really need to release this before somebody exploits the thing that somebody found. Um, today, uh, I think, again, you know, much more diverse uh, ecosystem, right? Much more mature ecosystem. So I don't think other implementations are a menace to the network. And obviously they're not because we have other implementations running on the network and everything works just fine. So I'm, I'm very positive. I think having multiple implementations is, is a very good thing. Um, we have multiple implementations of, you know, name any very successful internet protocol. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple implementations of that protocol. And I want Bitcoin to be like other wildly successful internet protocols. And so I think that's the right role model. I'm not sure you can, I can't think of a single like really successful internet protocol that just has one implementation. I'm probably wrong. Somebody will probably come out on Reddit and say, Gavin, you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> uh, everybody knows there's only one implementation of, uh, I don't know, whatever. Something, something. Yeah, of course. There's always an exception to every rule. <laughs> um, 
but you know, the, for the ones I think about, HTTP, SMTP, bind, DNS, uh, I don't know, maybe there's only one implementation of border gateway protocol that everybody uses and I just don't know about it. But, um, you know, I think, I think having multiple limitations, having competing teams, uh, trying to outdo each other in, in either outdo each other, outcompete each other on particular like features, like I'm the fat or I can run on a Raspberry Pi hardware uh, or competing in completely different directions. You know, I'm going to be the, the awesome implementation for people who want to run it on the phone. I'm going to be the awesome implementation for people who want to run it in a data center. I'm going to be the awesome implementation that is GNU public license because I like that license better than the MIT software, whatever, you know, like I, th I think it's all good. Uh, I really do think diversity in software is good. It's more secure. It's more robust. Uh, it's just it's just good. You know? So I, I, I encourage other implementations. What what, so, what, do you, what would you say your um, like what's your opinion around like individuals that say like it's dangerous to um, re-implement like Bitcoin's consensus rules because of the you know the potential for for like like what's like the, what's the world is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's danger and then there's danger, right? I mean, the danger yeah. is somebody runs your software and then they get forked off the network. Yeah, Meh. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> bad. But, I mean, <laughs> you know what the. What, it's not that big a deal, right? I mean, in the, the grand scheme of things, right? You're, you're in more danger, like walking across the street, you could get hit by a bus. So, mm -hmm. you know, people, I think people throw away, you know, danger. Uh, and they conflate, you know, when I was lead developer, I mean, the, mm -hmm. the kinds of bugs that really kept me up at night were bugs in the wallet, mm -hmm. right? That might let somebody steal your Bitcoins. Right? Mm -hmm. That That's, that's a, uh, you know, that's a big deal. That, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's kind of a big danger. Um, consensus bugs are a big deal, but they're not that big a deal, right? Consensus bugs will get fixed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, maybe you're on the wrong chain for a while. It's awfully hard to exploit that, mm -hmm. right? Even if you're trying to like for, force somebody off in the, onto an alternate chain, uh, you know, you have to be mining blocks on that alternate chain to do anything to them. And that's expensive, right? That's a really expensive attack. And there are very few uh, kind of entities in the world where because of the expense of mining, because we have this proof of work, it's really expensive to do, where it would make sense to mount that attack. You know, I can imagine somebody like Coinbase, maybe if you could, you know, Managed to cash out a couple million dollars somehow by putting them on alternate. But you know they all they all have, they all they all realize that this is a possibility. So they all hedge their bets and run multiple nodes and do all sorts of yeah. other things. So I don't know. I think the dangers are way way overblown, right? I mean the, the kinds of dangers that come from you know forking off on another chain. Eh, you notice it, you get back on the right chain, and you're fine. Yeah. So so uh, this like guess from the basis of Mackie's question, how do you feel about people who quote Satoshi as scripture? Like they've, they've deified him to a point where the network can no longer stray to what the original vision was. Well, uh, there I, are, I mean, there is, there is kind of a, there is a social contract, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's the vision of Bitcoin that was laid out by Satoshi. And I think we need to be true to that, right? Everybody who's decided to spend time or money investing in Bitcoin um, have certain expectations. And those expectations were set in the beginning by Satoshi, right? He said there are only ever gonna be 21 million Bitcoins. 
And I think everybody, almost everybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> almost everybody in the Bitcoin world takes that as gospel, right? That kind of is the gospel of Satoshi. He chose that number. He chose the, the, the rate at which coins would be introduced. And so, yeah, I have more respect for the idea of, you know, the vision Satoshi setting out as being, you know, the basis for this social contract that that we've all bought into if we're, you know, using Bitcoins, have purchased Bitcoins or holding Bitcoins. Um, so yeah, I do have respect for that. I, I, I don't think it's absolute, right? I don't think every single thing Satoshi said was correct. Um, we all change our mind, we all make mistakes, but for the big things, you know, like the 21 million Bitcoin limit, um, I think I think that I think that should be treated as kind of the scripture. Uh, you think you do would ever try and challenge that? I could imagine. I mean, if Bitcoin was really wildly successful mm-hmm. and you know, and really did become like a worldwide reserve currency, I could imagine people saying, you know what, we need a little bit of inflation to keep the network secure, to replace coins that are lost, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be a really good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, uh, I don't know if people would ever like contemplate messing with it. It, it. it it would probably get so ingrained that it's just, you know, that is the limit. And, and you know, if we get 20 years down the road and really Bitcoin is that big, I think it would be, you know, the inertia would be so strong that it'd be really hard to change. But I can't predict the future. Uh, I could be wrong. I mean, you know, everybody will decide. Yeah. A tenth of a percent <laughs> a year inflation is a good idea. So we're just going to keep producing, you know. Uh, a hundredth of a Bitcoin per block or whatever that, that works out to be. Um, On a plausibility scale, um, do you, can you see Bitcoin becoming a global reserve currency? And if so, would it even resemble what the current Bitcoin is today? Or would it be something that kind of evolves over time like the internet has? Um, I can imagine it becoming a, a global reserve currency. Yeah, I mean, the path to get there is not clear. Um, I think it would, we would have to kind of take over slowly and just, you know, larger and larger entities decide, yeah, I'm going to hold some Bitcoin. And then then those entities decide, you know what, we're just going to exchange Bitcoin instead of exchanging whatever other valuable thing we own, whether that's gold or dollars or, or, uh, or euros. Um, so I can't imagine Bitcoin getting there. Um. I think it, I think it, I mean, money technology takes a long time to change. So I think, you know, if we're talking like our lifetimes, it's hard to imagine beyond our own lifetimes. Uh, if we're talking our lifetimes, I think it would pretty much look like what Bitcoin is today, uh, maybe extended, you know, I think Bitcoin will continue to evolve. Um, but, you know, I think it would be recognizable. You know, I think if you put me in a, in a, in a vault and then bring me out 20 years later, I would kind of look at the system and say, yeah, that's, that's the Bitcoin that I was working on 20 years ago. Um, so you have this, this picture of, I guess, if we do look at within our lifetimes or maybe even further, it looks sim- something similar to what we see today. But as it currently operates, there's, there's definitely some uh, dark clouds in between those two things. What would you say are kind of the roadblocks that we have right now that need to be addressed, I guess, along the lines of like getting us to scale or becoming a little more towards this massive adoption? Massive adoption. I mean, the big problem with massive adoption is 
this chicken and egg problem of of how do people earn Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. You don't want to if you have to if you have to like earn some other currency and then go exchange that currency for Bitcoin, that doesn't work for massive adoption. It, it just doesn't. It's that extra step of you know I got my paycheck in dollars and now I have to somehow get some Bitcoins uh, to either save or um, or spend that's an extra step that most people won't take. So, you know, that would prevent massive ad adoption. Um, we really need to get people, you know, earning Bitcoin directly somehow. Um, I don't know how that will happen. If that will come about, I could imagine it happening in, in countries where, you know, there is not a functioning currency. There's not a functioning bank system. There's not a functioning payment system. I could imagine Bitcoin first taking off there and people in those Kind of situations just decide to take their salaries in bitcoin uh get paid in bitcoin uh and then you know once that starts to happen maybe it could spread uh so you know if i'm going to go visit that country well, i got to use bitcoin i better get some huh, that's a kind of cool system they have over there uh maybe you know maybe i should think of taking part of my salary in bitcoin um so maybe maybe it could, could spread like that i mean that's that's the that's the big barrier i think to 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 widespread adoption. Um, I think, uh, I think I mean, Mackie have... has a pretty good idea of, of what could help with that type of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so like, you know, you talk about, you know, how to get Bitcoin in the hands of like these people. So what are your, what are your opinions on um, like upcoming, you know, services that seek to use like micro payments um, in order to uh, like facilitate like usage and incentivizing uh, uh, like content sharing and things like that. Like for instance, like there's multiple projects that are seeking to like build like versions of Reddit atop Bitcoin like yours. Yeah. And you've got like Kim.com's project with like BitCash and Mega Upload and like all these like small different ways that you'll people will have like Bitcoin ingrained in like their lives from just some like cool services that arise. Like like what's your thoughts around like those and like lightning in general? I love those I love those services. I love those experiments. Um it might be too early. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but it is really exciting because if you can make it so that people earn Bitcoin transparently, then that's awesome, right? And they get these valuable, and it can even be, you know, just tiny amount of value. It doesn't mean, mm -hmm. you know, like paycheck level. Yep. Uh, but, you know, microtransaction, pay for my web browsing level. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, yeah. and, you know, and, and the idea of companies like 21, uh, you know, raising your electricity bill a little bit, which you probably won't notice, um, to create some Bitcoins uh, is an awesome way for people to earn Bitcoins in a completely painless way, right? Uh, that, that solves that chicken and egg problem. So, and I think that could work. I think, you know, people won't really care if they're paying people have complained about some of these schemes that you know yeah you're going to be mining on your while your cell phone is recharging but you're not getting the efficiency of huge data centers full of mining equipment so your bitcoins are going to cost you six or seven or eight or ten times as much i mean who cares right i mean yeah, yeah. if it's only a couple cents eh, right so i pay five cents extra on my like on my electricity bill uh to get value yeah. uh i think a lot of people would 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 go for that um, and I think it makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about those projects. I really hope that some of them succeed. I'll insert my standard startup disclaimer. Most of them will fail. 
<laughs> Definitely. That's what startups do. Startups fail, right? Especially obscure uh, ones. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe one of them succeed or maybe it's too early. I don't know. Maybe in 20 years, the idea will come back. We'll see. So if with, I guess with this microtransaction future that you know, could potentially help with getting Bitcoin in the hands of everyday people, this puts the actual Bitcoin blockchain into a settlement layer type of scenario. Do you think that's a bad approach for how the Bitcoin blockchain should, should evolve? And we should worry about kind of layer two technology to scale the network or, or what? How do you feel about that? Um, I'm agnostic. I've, I've said all along through the whole great scaling debate, we need to do both. Right, uh, hedging your bets and not putting all your money on one horse is is a good way to make sure that you know you don't lose everything. Definitely. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, everybody agrees that the main chain has to scale. Um, I don't think there's anybody who disagrees. Well, there probably are people who disagree. Uh, but we don't, we don't, we don't consider them. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, you know, all the engineers say it, it's, it's, it's really, you know, arguing about when, what the priorities ought to be, of course. how much is safe. Um, and again, you know, I think the, the dangers are way overblown. Uh, um, so the, 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 the Ethereum fork has been really amusing to me to watch what's happening there. Um, and, and kind of. Do you think these attacks are malicious or do you think it's somebody like appropriately trying to harden the Oh, network? no, no, no. It's almost certainly malicious attacks in Ethereum. I haven't looked at their attacks, but mm-hmm. it sure sounds like somebody's intentionally spending a fair bit of money to try to screw up their network. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll probably fail. Mm-hmm. Ethereum will, will get through it. They'll, you know, fix the denial of service attacks one way or another. Uh, uh, and and go on. Um, it'll be interesting to see a year from now. You know, what's the long term damage? Is there any long term damage? Um, the 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 appearance of Ethereum Classic. Um, I did not expect. No. Frankly, you know, I was wrong about that. I did not expect there to be two chains uh, continuing. Um, but you know, you add up the price of Ethereum Classic and Ethereum. And Ethereum has not done so badly in the kind of, you know, shortish term after their, uh, after the worst case scenario for a chain fork, which is there's two, you know. Yeah, it's lost about 20% maybe of the network. Um, in terms of hash power, in terms of price, I was thinking in terms of just price. If you look at the price of Ethereum, you know, add up Ethereum and Ethereum Classic, and I'm not sure they've lost anything since they've forked. Um, the DAO implosion, I think, gave them a big hit. Um, you know, well, those people were so come hand in hand with each other. Is that what... Yeah, kind of. I mean, well, I mean, the DAO, the DAO, 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 right? DAO, 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 DAO guy. I call it the DAO. Uh, the DAO implosion just, I think, showed that you know this killer use case that people thought Ethereum was going to be great for. There are practical problems, right, with trying to create a fully distributed autonomous organization. It's just, it's not easy. Easy. It'll never be easy. Maybe it'll never happen. I don't. Um, I mean, I think their first mistake was thinking that they were going to get perfectly right the first time, and then in at the same yeah. time betting 150 million dollars that they got it right the first time. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. And there's too much. There's too much money in the world that people <laughs> invest in crazy. I mean, people keep investing in just insane things right i mean and people would say that about bitcoin right 
in mm. 2000. And oh, people say that about Bitcoin even today, right? This is yet another crazy thing that people are investing in. Um, and they may be right. Uh, um, but I mean, yeah, there are really, really, really bad ideas that seem to get a lot of money um, pretty quickly. <laughs> and, it's, it's, it's and the buzzword not... of Bitcoin and blockchain is starting to become rather dangerous with kind of how what this types of startups that people are doing. They just throw the words on there and they're not really doing anything that that makes sense that can scale or <laughs> make sense. It's just yeah. then they get all this money from what would be considered dumb money that are trying to catch on this train and very much like a dot-com industry, dot-com boom sort of way. I think a good fuel of that sort of like ICO, like crowd sale madness that's going on in the Ethereum side is like just, a, there's a lot of Ethereum holders who are, that are just like flush with cash that has like, that have all this liquid Ethereum now. So like, it's only best for them to diversify, right? If they don't plan to liquidate in the short term. So I think that's where a lot of this value is coming from the crowd sales. Um, and then also lack of due diligence. Um, but you know, I, you guys know if anybody, I'm, I've been curious yeah. to, to kind of try to figure out money flows, like look at the market cap of Bitcoin versus the market cap of Ethereum mm -hmm. and see if like there, see what kind of correlation there is. Like, do they both tend to move up in concert or for, are people for like the longest time for the longest, to another? Yeah. So for the longest time, they were definitely like, uh, directly like correlated. They're inversely, they're inversely correlated for a long time. Yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, so, so that would imply people in Bitcoin were moving to Ethereum and or vice versa, depending on took, the news of the. Yeah, that was they were moving inversely towards each other for a very long time, and then for a while they completely decoupled, and yep. they were almost then they became, uh, just correlated with each other. And, and that, that was the Ethereum flip. Classic stuff, and basically it played back and forth with Ethereum Classic with people trading and um, taking advantage of the opportunity from ETH to ETH Classic. And then from there, it's sort of now it looks like it's like somewhat decoupled because um, Bitcoin has made a movement and it's like remained like stagnant around like $12. So I think I think it's pretty independent now. I think um, my, my personal opinion on this is that in the beginning, it was inversely proportional because uh, there were two coins. Yeah, mainly, right? People. So if you're if you're putting money in Ethereum, you're probably doing it through Bitcoin, and if you were going to sell off your Ethereum, you're probably going to put it back into Bitcoin. So that made obvious sense, and that's not. I'm not going to say that's the only thing that was happening, but it was definitely a much larger larger percentage of where the money was being moved, and over time, Ethereum has been has proved that altcoins can do more things and that they're they're legitimate and not just something to kind of throw a bunch of money at hope to make a bunch and then liquidate and the ease in which you can build new applications and new coins on top of ethereum has expanded that variable space quite a bit very drastically and so people are much easier about investing into these different coins quickly and they don't necessarily always go directly from bitcoin to get there so yeah, that's interesting. Because there's always been doing it. This question of do altcoins, you know, is it a, is it a zero sum game with you know just a fixed amount of money investing in coins, or do you know do altcoins that bring something new to the table will they bring new money in? So, it, so as you varies. increase that, because you increase that variable space between which coins you can go to from which other coins, that grows exponentially. And so like with side chains in Bitcoin, if those are then able to then link with things in Ethereum, and then you have the Lightning Network, which can pretty much link with everything, it's, it's going to be almost impossible to kind of keep really simple correlations between prices of different coins, just mm -hmm. based on the fact that you can go anywhere from anywhere.
Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I worry about things getting yes, uh, <laughs> more <it's>... complicated. <laughs> but that's uh, you know, things always do. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we can so, stop that. It's just a matter yeah, of being able to handle it or, or not or try not to care about everything all the time. You're really gonna have to, like every other growing technology, specialize in a certain area and become an expert in there and then hope you understand the general environment enough to be able to keep your head above water. Yeah. Well, and investors, I don't know, a good way to rip off naive investors is to make something so complicated that it looks legit, but under the Obfuscation through complication. Exactly. Yeah. I think we've seen that. In Steam uh, It. And, <laughs> so yeah, I haven't been exactly what's going on with Steam It, but uh, there have been some others that I've seen that, you know, like promise to peg to the dollar and then, you know, eventually, sooner or later, the peg fails and they have some complicated explanation for, you know, why it the peg would fail when anybody who knows anything about, you know, trying to peg currencies would predict sooner or later that peg is going to fail. It will, you know, that's just, you know, there's no way unless you have infinite money to, uh, you know, to make that actually, that actually reminds me, like when you say that, you know, it's pegged to a dollar value. Um, that reminds me of like that new show startup um, that talked that, that talks about Bitcoin. How cool is it? Like these shows that like, like Mr. Robot and um, like there's another show, iZombie, another show, um, you know, like startup that like talk around or sort of like are centrated around Bitcoin topics and digital currency. How cool do you feel that that's in like pop culture now? And, you know, you were a part of that. And like, what, what are your opinions on that? Do you watch any of those shows? Have you seen any of those and like had like, you know, giggled to yourself silently? Like, what? <laughs> How's that? Or not so silently. Oh, yeah. no, yeah, it's, 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 it's way cool. I love Mr. Robot. Um, oh, great, actually, great, great. Uh, my I wife and I are, are watching season two, you know, one episode every one or two episodes a week. Mm -hmm. um, and enjoying it. And every time there's some Bitcoin reference, she'll like, she'll giggle. <laughs> the <laughs> nice. pretend money project is, you know, now on a, on a show that, that she's watching. I mean, starting to get, you know, the very first time it happened, I think was uh, Good Wife. Mm -hmm. uh, had a couple episodes, which actually um, they talked to me about. I talked to the writers of The Good Wife to, to make sure they got the technology correct. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. If anyone is ever like, "Hey, we're going to talk about Bitcoin," do we sound stupid? <laughs> yeah, no, they did. Yeah, the writers contacted me. Well, uh, I had volunteered to. There's, there's a, a, there's a National Science Foundation group person. I don't know. There's that that connects Hollywood with technology people. Yeah, I had, I had volunteered myself as you know, if anybody in Hollywood wants to know about Bitcoin, I'm available to talk to. And so I've yeah. had a few contacts with various shows. Uh, just talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general uh, to try to get the technology right. So, and that, that, that is definitely cool. Um, I don't really get anything from it besides being able to say, Hey, you know, <laughs> I did this cool thing. I have this neat story. Um, so on, I, I, I guess a, a more serious note on the same, on the same line, uh, we started, we kind of pulled our audience for questions they may want to ask you. And uh, one of them was um, one of the guys in our Slack was very curious about the CIA presentation that you gave during the whole Craig Wright fiasco. And it was more along the lines of like, how did that go? Can you talk about it? Were they receptive? How are you contacted? What was it about? The CIA, uh, uh, in 2011, 2011, yeah, 2011, I, I did give a talk at the CIA. Um, and I've written about this before. Mm -hmm. uh, 
very proud that I was on the CIA payroll because they gave me a check for, for doing that, <laughs> uh, for traveling down there and then talking to them and being part of their uh, being part of their conference. They actually do a um, they do like a three day conference every year that's for the CIA and other intelligence communities, mm-hmm. where the the idea is they're trying to get new ideas into this big bureaucratic organization. Mm-hmm. And so the the year that I gave a talk, the the theme of the conference was. Uh, I think it's the mobility of money. And so they're talking about new money technologies that were hot in 2011, including Facebook credits, which I now look back on and laugh because yeah. there was a guy from Facebook talking about how Facebook's going to talk, you know, Facebook credits Take are over the money world payment <laughs> thing. And, and they're gone, right? <laughs> so I, I thought it was kind of cool that this, you know, little open source software project, uh, you know, is a much bigger deal than, than, than than Facebook credits ever was and and has survived and and uh, and thrived. Uh, you know, and there's somebody from PayPal, somebody from the Federal Reserve. So I wasn't the only speaker. Um, it was very much a one-way conversation. So that's what I was you know, curious about at, the rece- receptivity. Yeah, probably of the audience because I know that I mean I'm I have, I'm now employed by a government-facing uh, contracting company. Yeah, and it seems as though a lot of the larger scale government entities are very interested in the technology and, and how it works and how it could possibly make their systems more efficient. Did you feel like the, like how they treated you during that talk and the, and the overall tone of that conference is, is aligned with that? Uh, yeah. I mean the, the, you know, they're law enforcement basically and mm-hmm. law enforcement, I don't know, is always a little more conservative uh, I think a little more skeptical uh, tends to look on the dark side because they're looking on the dark side all the time, you know, seeing the the bad uses that can mm-hmm. that can be made of a new technology. Um, so, you know, I got some of that from questions from the audience when I was there, uh, and there were only a few questions uh, after my talk. Um, I mean, there were people there who seemed pretty interested in Bitcoin as, you know, is this technology we can use? Because, you know, there are... There are parts of the CIA and other intelligence agencies that you know need to covertly pay people overseas, and so mm-hmm. Bitcoin could actually be a pretty good way for them to do that. I have no idea if they're doing that now or not. I would be surprised if they were not. Right? I'm if just you need look to pay, at the, the things that to, is possible with the technology, and then just kind of guess at what they're possibly doing. Exactly. Yeah, they don't tell you, obviously, right? Yeah. I and mean, they're they're they are trained <laughs> to keep things secret. That's the whole. Right. That's, you know, part of their culture. Um, and so that, that's, that's all that was. Um, people have made a big deal about it. Well, of course, um, you're going to have your, your shill yellers as soon as you do anything that's, you know. Gavin's a cop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sold out, man. He went to the dark side. Yeah. You sell out. To talk to some people. Um, yeah. And I understand that. Um, uh, and, you know, there's nothing you know, there's nothing I can say to that. There's no way I could prove a negative that like, you know, I am not on, I am no longer on the CIA payroll. I can say that, <laughs> but you know, people will not believe it. Uh, they'll still believe I'm a shell. I'm a government stooge. I'm, CIA mind tricks. <laughs> I'm a plant trying to destroy Bitcoin. I drove Satoshi away and everything would be much better if, you know, I'd never been born. So, so many dinner conversations. It's, you have so many dinner conversations. <laughs> well, that's been the best thing about being involved with Bitcoin. It has made my life really interesting. 
uh, over the last six years. Lots of lots of stories to tell. So, uh, so that's I, pretty I would, cool. I would imagine as well is that you get a lot of um, people reaching out to you for one advice, two investment, or three uh, like type of uh, real advisory roles. And I know that you've become, or at least I've read, you've become an advisor for Zcash. Uh, how do you, one, how is that? Two, how do you kind of parse through the bullshit of all of the things that people probably try and solicit you for? Um, I mean, a lot of solicitations I can just, you know, I just ignore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's obvious they're bullshit. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if you don't have like a working product and a few customers, then I'm probably not going to even consider you know, talking to you, right? I mean, you have to at least do the footwork of having something you can show. So, you know, that that's that's a first good filter. Um, pretty much done accepting advisor positions at this point, right? Uh, um, uh, and mostly what being a technical advisor to these companies means is if, you know, their techies have technical questions, then I'll answer their emails uh, as promptly as I can. Good, quick, does it <laughs> suck? Is this broken? Exactly. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, any anything further, right? Anything that really requires deep thought or design or whatever. Um, yeah, I just I you know, don't have the time to to do that. I'd have to be an actual employee or or you know co-founder or whatever of a company to to get that involved. So so mostly what it means is is you know they can use my name and say Gavin thinks that we're okay. <laughs> which, um, which, which does powerful, carry some weight. Which is very powerful in these, in um, like, in this wild west of uh, cryptocurrencies that we're in. Yep, yep. Um, and then to be completely transparent, you know, most of the, the most of what, you know, being an advisor, uh, it's usually a quid pro quo, and that I get uh, some amount of stock in their company. You know, private mm -hmm. stock options that I can't trade anywhere but yeah. if the company becomes wildly successful they'll be worth something someday um in exchange for this advisor role in exchange for them to be able to say you know gavin's a technical advisor for us um and so zcash was similar um zcash was a little weird because they wanted to give me uh kind of pre-mine tokens as part of the advisor agreement um i didn't feel comfortable with that so i actually all of those Zcash tokens uh, are going to the Zcash Foundation. Uh, what What is your opinion on that sort of whole founders reward post mining ten percent block reward thing? What's your What's your thoughts around that? Um, and I'm sure they have to be positive, so it's okay. yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, it. it it makes me a little nervous because I've had, you know, discussions with the Securities and Exchange Commission <laughs> down in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. uh, Usually very knowledgeable people. Yes. Um, and it, it's awfully close to kind of issuing shares in a way that may not be legal and might in, get you thrown in jail. Um, but, you know, as long as the lawyers are say that the way you're doing it is OK, I guess it's OK. You know, I'm. I'm I'm kind of a believer that, you know, as long as you're transparent mm -hmm. and keep it pretty simple, then it's okay, right? I mean, the people who are deciding to to invest in your thing, as long as everything's kind of transparent and laid out, mm -hmm. uh, let the buyer beware, right? Let, let the market decide uh, is, is kind of my attitude. Um, and I would kind of wish, you know, that was the, the law of the land that, you know, we had more freedom 
in what we invest in. And if you invest in stupid things, you lose your money. <laughs> oh, well, right. It's not the government's yeah. job to try to prevent you from investing in stupid things. Um, but that's not the law of the land. Right. And there are mm -hmm. laws and regulations. And so that part of it makes me nervous. Uh, but from kind of a moral standpoint, I don't see any, you know, as long as it's done transparently, uh, I don't see any problem. I think Zcash has been very good with the transparency. And I'm really interested to see uh, when Zcash launches, what what happens you know do do a bunch of people in the bitcoin world who are really interested in in privacy and financial you know financial privacy and security do they migrate over to zcash because they see it as a more private more secure uh solution or not um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there well, it sounds oh. a lot better than Mimblewimble. that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah i haven't wrap my head around the latest round of uh new things kind of, yeah 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 privacy enhancing technologies for bitcoin um so i guess i could start to kind of wrap this up is there any questions that i should have asked you that i didn't mm. um i don't know it's been fun talking to you guys <laughs> Do you have anything that you want to try and say say to the crowd or our listeners or, or, or mention or plug um, no, I don't have anything to plug. Uh, I hope everybody keeps an open mind about everything. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's the, the um, you know, I consider myself a skeptic. Um, and, you know, I'm very much into rational thinking and trying to, you know, reexamine your own assumptions and opinions and trying to listen to what people have to say and and figure out you know, why are they saying that? Where are they coming from? Are they right or not? And, you know, trying to really use evidence instead of emotion to to think about things and discuss things. And I think in the Bitcoin world, things have gotten way too emotional over the last year or two. Um, and I really ideology. wish people would. Yeah. Yeah. People bring their ideology to it. They bring their politics to it. Uh, I really wish people could could step back and and just try to be more rational. That would be my my plea to um, to everybody who hears this is just you know try to keep an open mind. All right. So one last question we ask all of our all of our uh, all of our interviewees uh, in ten words or less. Can you describe Bitcoin? Bitcoin's a new way of doing money. Ooh, that's a good that's a good elevator phrase. I like yeah, that one. That's eight. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised at the range of answers that we've gotten from that over the years. If someone said that to me, like, hey, what's Bitcoin? It's this new way of doing money. Oh, why? Well, you should have just said that in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Now we go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's so much beyond, behind that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for your time. We, we really, uh, you were one of the, the, people on our shortlist when we started this podcast that we considered ourselves successful when we got so i've enjoyed it cool awesome talking to you guys hope you come back sometime and that was the interview with gavin and reason i hope you liked it i hope yeah, you buddy. loved it yeah buddy I i'm excited to get him back on the show that was just a good good all-around conversation yeah and, uh, we talked was was quite you know informal but very like informative can we put that in perspective like we just 
had conversations with the, the guy who was probably the closest to Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah. Like, right totally there. Did. Like, we're if, one... If anybody knows who it is, it's probably him. Yeah. We're one uh, step away. Others. Yeah. On the Kevin Bacon scale from Satoshi Nakamoto now. <laughs> one step. I mean, that that's that's pretty good. I, I thought... I couldn't believe he said yes when I sent him the email. Because usually when you send emails to, like, person's name at something.com, you just never expect to hear back from them. Like, are you having, like, uh, like, are you being all fanned out right now? Are you being fanboy? I'm a little bit being fanboy. Celebrity like, shock? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, when you, we've talked with Andreas, we've talked with Gavin now. We're still trying to find Satoshi. Uh, when we do, I have this, aching suspicion is like Kevin Hart or something. That's but, a terrible, no, that's a terrible thing. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I made myself laugh. I made myself laugh. Every I time I have y'all. Cameron Winklevi on the show, he just, he likes my tweet, but he ignores me. So, <laughs> yeah. Like a heightened sense of ignore. What is it about the Winklevi that you want them to be on the show for? Yeah, they got a lot of money. Yeah, they're buying a lot of Bitcoin. Yeah, they got, they got Gemini. The f- you, I, I guess it's, it's the fact that they acknowledge me and ignore me at the same time. So now it's like this challenge. Maybe they got a bot. The Maybe they have a bot that if you mention their name, they'll like your tweet. <laughs> They're just smart enough. They're smart more. enough to have that. What would you ask them if they were on the show? Uh, uh, just, you know, where, where they see cryptocurrency. I mean, look, they're, they're experts at at backing successful foundations at the at the ground level, like at the startup. Mm-hmm. And they've been Bitcoin advocates for a long time. I'd like to know why they believed in Bitcoin and uh, the future of Gemini and where they see it going, you know? You know, that, that, that actually points out why I think I like doing this podcast so much is that, or like what I'm trying to get out of the people that we talk to, like, he said before that interview that you know we may not hit like ask the hard hitting questions, but I'm more interested in talking to people in different areas of the community and seeing how they view the community as it is, how they got into it, and where they see it going. And you see a lot of varying opinions on all that and like how they see things go. And to see like most people we talk to are, are doing real things and contributing to the community. The fact that a lot of them have different ideas on what it is and why it exists and where it's going is is cool to me, and I think it's cool to the listeners who've listened to the show. And you can't get that in other podcasts. Nope, you get it from here. You get it from this podcast, and that's why we love that you guys listen every week, and that's why we keep trying to make more episodes and keep trying to make the show better, uh, because it's fun as hell. It just is. What? I kind of want to do it like MTV did, you know, like when 9-11 happened and they're like, man, we got to get Ja Rule on, on the line and ask Ja Rule. If if there's a hard fork, you're going to ask Goon Sarir about it. You're not going to ask like a Winklevi about it. But why not? Let's get let's get someone that you wouldn't normally ask technical questions on and get their five cents. Let's, we do. Let's Ja Rule the people a little bit. Yeah. Ja Rule the people. <laughs> ja Rule, baby. What the, was that? Wasn't that a joke? Like, what the <laughs> fuck does Ja Rule have to, have to think about? Yeah, so you just get someone totally non qualified and just 
like, you know, sure, I can ask Goon Sarir about it, but why don't I just ask, you know, Lil B about both, it? Don't we? We do both. We, we ask, yeah. you know, the people who are contributing in a small way and whatever way they can. Like, we ask Maiko. They, they make music, and they like Bitcoin. So they said essentially said, we're going to make music and sell it for Bitcoin. And then mm-hmm. we talked to him and Goon Sarir. We talked to Gavin Andres and Andreas. We talked to the big names. We talked to small names, and that's that's fun. Like, yeah, we've had a lot of small people in the community and given them a, and come on the show and given them a voice so they can they can say how they feel about why it's cool to them. Well, and then we get the medium folks, the large folks, and the people who are just throwing money at Bitcoin, the people who are accepting that money. Well, without. W- should we continue to s our own d's further or should we no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah We're... so d you had something you have your aha moment that you've been you've been you've tantalized For less than 24 hours now i've been really excited about i did have an aha moment and that aha moment was that cryptocurrency digital currency is a big deal and i think if you've been in this community for a while that starts to fade on you because you get used to these things you get used to these terms and this verbiage and this behavior and you're like oh yeah it's just digital currency but it's a really big fucking deal and what i mean by that is we're literally forging something that did not exist not too long ago into existence into society that's yeah, a big deal. It's That's... the real deal, Holyfield. And what I mean by all that is Bitcoin and digital currency, we're the ones coming up with the verbiage. We're the ones coming up with the actions that people are going to partake in when they're using these things, when they're adopting these things. And so if we don't get it together as a community and come up with structures with moving forward, and things that can become pronounced and behaviors that become pronounced, then nobody's ever going to learn these behaviors or learn this verbiage. And it's never going to add value to anyone's life at all. So you think the names of things and, and how we like create analogies is one of the most important things to like take into account right now? It is very important when you're talking about changing the behaviors of massive amounts of people. Like when these new... When a new technology is adopted, it introduces new behaviors and new actions that have to take place. Like the microwave, right? If somebody says, hey, could you nuke that for me? They know you're saying, put it in the microwave for a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's kind of a big deal when you really start digging into it. Like, oh, this that's guy just stuff. said, can that's you nuke that? It's emergent, right? Yeah. Like, the way we say these types of things is an emergent property of its of its adoption. And as more and more people start to use these things, they'll start to come up with different nomenclature or ways that they're comfortable saying it. And if other people like that, they'll start using it as well. And I hope that the way we say things about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency slowly change from the way that we talk about it now. Because Andreas talks about this all the time. Our nomenclature for Bitcoin and the things around how to use Bitcoin sucks. And it's not intuitive to everyday users on how things work or 
why they work the way they do when they have the names they have. Yeah. When you have terrible names, it implies you have a terrible system. Or an overly complicated name, like yeah. overly engineered name. They think it's too hard to use and that they can't it, – it's, it's beyond their capability of understanding and they walk away. They're, they're averse to using it. Yeah. And that's, that's, what's, that's the opposite of what we try to – or what we would believe what needs to happen. And, and more so than us just coming up with the right naming conventions is us in this community understanding how big of a deal this is. Because right now, there's there's currently a small little, I don't want to call it a war, because that's really American to do, because we love going to war with everything. But I want to call it a, a difference of opinion in that private blockchains are for value, for money, for value, are really cool to do, and public blockchains aren't. And that is what's going on right now. Think so? And I don't think so. Yeah, man, this R three consortium. Well, they're, they're, um, every different be investigated. I see. Yeah. I see. During the investigation, people are going to come up with new terms and new ways of doing things, and some of it might stick. If you throw a bunch of shit at a wall, some of it's going to stick. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that these banks are making their own blockchains and doing their own things. Yeah, that's so. not the way it needs to be. That's that's nothing different than what already happens right now. No, I feel like it's I feel like it's, it's almost it could be a natural progression of how things get adopted. You start like the internet started with intranets. Doesn't doesn't mean that intranets weren't the best operating procedure for how the internet works, but it got them it got their foot in the door, and when they realized that that wasn't going to work out, they then adapted and went to the internet. Now. In an, yeah, ideal world, the risk... in an ideal world, it would have just gone straight to internet. But try and convince everyone that a new technology is safe and they shouldn't have test beds before jumping in. And it's just assuming there's no rocks under the, under the surface of the water. It this isn't going to happen. People are going to build their own things. They're going to test it out, understand it first. And when they're comfortable with their small sandboxes and they, they outgrow them, then they'll step into the the ocean or they'll, they'll jump in the water because they're a lot more comfortable and they feel safe yeah but the, the difference in the subtlety that between the internet and bitcoin is the internet was free okay someone mute their mic there's a lot of conversation in the back mute that up <laughs> hit that mute button please oh me yeah oh i didn't know there was stuff going on it's going on back there Hold on. And so, when with with Bitcoin, we're dealing with money, right? So these people that deal with money and their whole structure of existence has been on manipulating and holding people's money. They're not just gonna be so happy to jump to this newer, better thing. They're gonna try and manipulate it in a way so they could still have control. And say, like, look how much better we are handling money now. You should trust us even more now. Because, look, we took this tool and we use it really well. And you can trust us. Like, it's just a perpetuation of that cycle. And so when I say this is a big deal and when we're changing behaviors, we're changing them not just because it's cool. 
We're chaining because it needs to happen because it's better. And this is Bitcoin is a public good. Like that's a big deal. It's yeah, something for everyone to use. So when it comes to money and when it comes to value, we are changing an idea, an epoch. No longer is it okay for these central organizations to do what they do unbeknownst to everyone and make money off of everyone and do whatever the hell they want to do with everyone's money and give us none of it back. We now have a public good to hold you accountable for the decisions that you make with people's money, and you need to get on board with that. That's that's the new thing. That's the big shift that we're making. That's what Bitcoin allows. It's not some cool... I, I know it's a cool technology. It allows for so many cool things. Yeah, 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 I get it. But no, this is a humanity behavioral change that needs to exist. Like you, Bank of America, I've had to bank accounts since I was 14. I'd love to know how much money you've made off me. I'd love to. I can't. I bet you can't even figure that out since you fuck with that shit so much behind the scenes. But at this point going forward, that's good. That's going to stop. You're going to use Bitcoin. You're going to find a way to use it good. So now I can hold you accountable for the decisions that you make with my money. All right, so here's here's how I feel about that. Right. I agree with you, but it's dangerous to automatically assume that anybody using, you know, they say they're using the underlying technology of Bitcoin or they're doing things outside of Bitcoin and trying to create their own blockchains means that they're that type of company trying to continue this existence of like central authority and obfuscation and so on and so forth. You can you can develop a lot of things outside of Bitcoin that are useful to a company and to stay private to that company that aren't Bitcoin. And then you can also tap into Bitcoin at the same time and use what Bitcoin's good for. And to assume, automatically assume that somebody who's developing something to try and fix the infrastructure of how that something works is bad is a dangerous attitude and it will stifle innovation because there are a lot of things that we currently don't understand about how this technology works and those need to be investigated and the people who are going to throw money at those types of investigations are these centralized companies but that doesn't mean that it's automatically bad bitcoin is going to be going to exist it's, it is everything that you just said and people will understand that and use it for what it is and Companies will tap into it eventually because they realize that's the only way they're going to get users to use it. But don't stifle innovation because you assume that anything outside of Bitcoin is bad. Did I come across as stifling innovation? Yeah, because you say like it's 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 this like what you what you deem as important, which is important, is this new idea of transparency. Yeah, essentially. And not not having to trust the entities that you work with. That's the that's the mind blowing change that people can't get on board with until they start seeing that action. Until so, like for instance, we need to come up with a word for checking on the blockchain if your transaction went through. That needs to be a verb. That needs to be some sort of thing that we say, "Hey, did you did you verify it?" 
did you validate it or, yeah. or something like that needs to be a behavior that we form within the community. Right, so this is something I was talking about yesterday with a friend of mine. It's, it's just because something claims to be transparent doesn't necessarily mean it's fair. Like you can use like, you know, this new company is using blockchain technology for transparency. So you can be, you can trust that everything's secure, not necessarily. Right. Mm -hmm. You can you can build something that's transparent, but that doesn't mean people are going to check that what yeah. you're doing is fair. Like yeah, somebody has to go in and check these things because you can build something and it can have all kinds of bugs. It's built on blockchain technology, so it's secure. That's not true. Yeah, it has the potential of being fair and true, and you can check it, but somebody has to do all of those things. Yeah, did you? So maybe that's a behavior that we could work. Like, hey, did you confirm it? Like, that's a thing. You have a tool now to confirm if the transaction went where it was supposed to go and the person that was supposed to get it got it. Did you confirm? See, that's the leap. Everyone is depending on these banking organizations to do all that shit for you. And that's that little behavior change, that one behavior change is what it's going to get people to understand the value of Bitcoin. Like the other day, I swear to you this happened. I was looking at my bank account and transactions were coming off and on within a matter of 15 minutes. Just like, and then I go check and I'm like, what the fuck is that? 73 cents. What the hell? Where's that going to? Like, who's, who's taking 73 cents out of my account and then putting it right back? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make, so... That one behavior of, hey, I don't need a bank to manage that shit for me. I could just go confirm. Let me go look on the chain. Confirm it on the chain. Like nope, some that's, sort that's of going to be a thing. Yeah, some sort of behavior that, that we could get people in the crust with understanding is what will get people to understand the value of Bitcoin and how it can help them. Like, oh, I don't need a bank to handle the money. It's right there. It's on the, it's on the blockchain. Let me just go confirm it. Like that's that's what I'm saying is is if we don't forge these behaviors in this verbiage in the community because we're the early adopters, but the early adopters have to find a way to get to the opinion leaders in society, and Bitcoin is not doing that. It's not reaching any opinion leader whatsoever, and as long as we don't do that, we're never gonna get to a point where it could be soaked in. By massive amounts of people because we're not changing root behaviors as to why this current system is so shitty in the first place. I can't borrow that. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what, let's start building these new behaviors. Like, did you confirm that? I don't know. There's, I'm not the super genius that could come up with all these things that we could start doing on a regular basis that become the behaviors that we partake in that then pro proliferate. That's not me, some people, but some people just like the idea of having the option to, to do it, but we don't necessarily have to force the behavior just as long as the option is there to do it. Yeah, I agree with that. You give people options and then the most popular option tends to be the one that's there. However, also in doing so, when we tell someone to confirm it on the blockchain, it's got to be a lot easier, a lot easier than looking at alphanumeric 
uh, cryptic key. That, Wait, that, I remember, that's just, go ahead. I remember when me and Corey had, uh, remember we had Jesse Baker on and she was telling us about supply chains and she was using mm-hmm. blockchain. So like, say you order like a can of beans and like, oh, well you can figure out exactly the plant where your beans were canned at. And I'm like, well, that's cool that, you know, I have the option to do that. I'm not going to fact check that, but it's cool that you're doing that. <laughs> you may not, but someone may. Someone may, but it's, you know, blockchain allows humanity to reach a consensus about a piece of data without having any authority to dictate it. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. So, but I'm probably not going to do it, but it's cool that it's there. See, and I love that you brought that up. So then what do you do? You go to the people that will use it. And those are the opinion leaders in the community who should be using Bitcoin fucking certified public accountants. Get the whole organization of CPAs out there to say, Hey, you know how you guys have to check to see if transactions with certain places all the time. And usually depend on all this ridiculously hierarchical system of centralized organizations to get that through. Well, check this out. This organization can send money to this organization and you could just confirm it on the blockchain and boom, we've instantly added value to an entire group of opinion leaders opinion on this one thing. Like they're like, oh, that's tremendous value added to my life as an accountant. I don't have to wait on all of this official ass bullshit that's just really there to make people money. I could just look and use this tool. Awesome. So that's yeah. what I'm saying is like we're we're not when it comes to using the technology and, you know, uh, shorter than affecting opinion leaders uh, viewpoint on their value of, of cryptocurrency. Uh, the only thing other than that is going to see the only thing that will get people involved in wanting to use it is if Bitcoin's price goes to the moon and they see us balling out of control. That typically tends to be the only thing that changes other people's behavior so we'll see as time goes on the infrastructure gets built out and people keep trying to do these types of things and trying to make the things we're currently doing easier so it takes a little bit of time for those things to work and get it right yeah but how how much time does it take to turn this cryptic alphanumeric key into something people can read like i feel like oh one name is trying to do that. One name, yeah. And then what's the other one? The guy that we interviewed. Is that one name? I think so. Nah, was it? I guess it was. I don't even remember. We had a lot of interviews. interviews. A lot of interviews. Well, anyways, well, let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. That's the, that's my challenge to you. Whatever small community we we have that listens to our show is to start thinking about what we call these behaviors. Like micro, like the mic, uh, microwave. When somebody says nuke it, they know stick it in the microwave for approximately two minutes. If it's a hot pocket, that's not going to work. You're gonna it's going to be cold in the middle. Yeah. And excruciatingly hot on the sides. Yeah. And it's just going to be a very uncomfortable bite. Where it's like half hot, half frozen. <laughs> and you're just like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Anyways, what the fuck still eats hot pocket. Um, I haven't had one in a Nobody. long time. Actually, that's a that's a very good question. It's <laughs> like eating one right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the little cheese string hanging that that all kids have. I just chucked my hot pocket in the trash. 
Um, so anyways, uh, we're the Bitcoin podcast.com. Well, we're the Bitcoin podcast. That's our website. Uh, at the TBP podcast. That's our Twitter. Shella runs a Twitter. He does a great job. And shout out to Dylan, our uh, brand new social media manager. Oh, snaps. Can I say that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I can. Shout out to Dylan. Uh, Dylon, Dylon. Um, best social media manager of all time. We just brought him on board. So we're going to start getting much more, uh, much more of a social media presence out there. And that's what we're trying to do now. That's kind of like our new initiative. Uh, is 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 building a little bitty community around the Bitcoin podcast, um, so we can you know be cool like that. That's that's where I went with that. I Over the next else. short term period, expects to be able to buy some merch. Yep. I thought you guys were gonna and mugs and so on and so forth. I I really yeah. thought you guys were gonna piggyback on that. The diggable planets, cool nope. like that, fresh nope. like that. I didn't get into it. Fly like that, but sometimes I feel like we're going, we're vibing like that, and you guys just don't pick up the steps. <laughs> uh, I like the couple planets. Well, then why didn't you? <laughs> why didn't you no, finish? I, like <laughs> I, I didn't know you needed backup. I'm oh, cool like that, and then that's when you're like doom, 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 and then somebody plays the bass line, and then we get it going. You guys are missing out on these. Moments. We are not lockstep with these brain right now. That's right. <laughs> like uh, I like bigger planets. <laughs> Demol- Demolition man. We got those. All right. Well, uh, what else do we do? Nothing. This show's we, been long enough. We play Street Fighter. I played Street Fighter Five the other day. It's good. Oh, I got my PS4, so you get a PS4 and we can PS4 it up together. You got your PS4? Yeah, I got Did it. Did you get Soul Calibur? No, I will. Can we though. have best of one hundred? Let's go get it today. Let's let's do it. No, I'm serious. You ready to buy? Yeah. What no, not by PlayStation. I'm ready, ready to buy Soul Calibur and a controller. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, play. No, no. Uh, shout out to Zoe Saldana. How dare you try to make me forget the love of my life? And uh, shout, out, shout out to shout out to Mackie too. Shout out to Mackie, of course, always. Shout out to uh, Carrie Hilson as well. Her name is Carrie. All right, play.